0: Indie Film Sucks Indie Film Sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast Yeah
1: Coming at you from the mean streets of St. Louis From a basement on South Broadway The Indie Film Sucks Podcast because Indie Film Sucks, uh... Episode 43 of Suck. Yes. What are you going to do? And what are you going to do? Tonight we have a special guest. We do have a special guest. Jessica Lynn Ambule.
2: You even used my middle name. Oh, no. Wow, that's You a did some research. I... I did. Wow. <laughs> <Are you laughs> welcome
0: to the show. Is she in trouble? Are you right.
2: In... It, it, am I grounded? Maybe. Did she do something Jeez. wrong?
0: Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Well, okay. I have to give you the, the famous, uh, I guess, statement here to see what you got. Watch yourself, okay. Jessica.
2: My suck is how much work it takes to hear a yes.
0: Okay, go go expand on that, please. Okay,
2: so I think it goes on both sides of the camera. You know, you can make a lot of films, but until a distributor says yes or someone says it is worthy of sharing, sometimes it takes a lot of no's to get to that yes. As an actor, we... We audition so many times, hundreds of times a year, and hear hundreds of no's before, before we can get to many yeses. Or it might be, maybe not all those hundreds to so you hear one yes, but y- you go through all of that work to hear a few yeses because we love what we do, so it's a lot of work. S- so let me sucks. ask you this,
0: on the yes part of that thing, is it good enough just to get the yes for the audition to get the role, or do you have to get all the yeses? Does everybody have to get all the yeses all the way through in order for it to be a success?
2: I think the first win is, got chosen to audition. Fantastic, I get a chance. The next big yes is if there's a callback. Okay, well I I did, they saw something good that they want me to come back and do something again. I'm directable, or they saw something they liked. Fantastic, and then the ultimate yes is, you were the one, you're the chosen one. (laughs) And there's so many factors that go into that, and because I work on both sides of the camera, I am very, very aware of that, so. I've had to learn to not get my hopes up. I have a friend who lived in in L.A. for years, and his roommate was an actor, and he was not. He worked in other roles behind the camera, and he would go on hundreds of auditions, and he had to learn. He said, I will walk out of a—we don't walk out of rooms very often anymore. (laughs) It's all self-tape and Zoom. But he would walk out of a room, throw away the script, and and move on to the next one. And I try to get to that point, but there's always that— there's always those special opportunities or roles. You're like, oh, this one, though. I really, really want this one. And I believe everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. But when you get it, it is, it feels good. It feels really good.
1: Let okay. me Wait, I'm sorry. Let me ask you this yeah. question, because I have heard this before from actors, mm-hmm. that <laughs> they kill for the audition. I mean, they, they kill it, and they get the part, and they're excited. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, like, Oh, hell, I got the part. Now I got to do this thing. Have you ever <laughs> felt that?
2: Um, that's a good question. I, I actually have a, a short film I'm in in Ohio this weekend. And it's not so much like, oh, no, but it's more like, this is, this is a big deal to me. And it's not because of the a size of a project. It's because of the, the role. Because I'm not typically cast for this. And I went for it. And I worked for it. And then I was chosen, and I was like, I just have, in my own head, I have, you always want to meet the director's vision. You always want to do well and honor everyone who's on set. But I put more responsibility, I think, and pressure on myself because it's not a role people would typically cast me for. So I want to prove to myself and to everyone on set and to the world that I can do this, that I'm more than just a soccer mom. Okay, can't wait to see this one. Yeah, me too. No, I was really intrigued by the script, and this is why I am driving to Ohio and and doing the short film. What's the
1: part? Because I've seen you in a a fair number of things.
2: There's there's been some nice deviation over the years, which I'm really grateful for. I know what my natural niche is, and that's okay. Everyone has a natural. You look like this, great. Well, I can look like other things too. You just gotta redo or give me a chance. That's what I always want. Is I just give me a chance. Just let me try, because you can't. You don't know until you let me try. Uh, so this role is actually a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a little bit of a twist. I can't tell you too much, but I love the way that they handled addiction. It's called obsession. Um, it is a short, and um, I love the mystery till the end and it leaves you guessing until the end. and I just there's a lot of emotion and yeah. and I've done a lot of research on this one, so it's been interesting. Have you ever
3: got an audition and say you get the part? And you, you see the finished product and you go, oh, cringe, <laughs> you go, damn, uh, maybe because I've done that. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, have you ever went to an audition and uh, didn't get it and, and maybe get pissed or whatever? And then you see the product and you go, man, I'm really glad I didn't get that part.
2: I don't know about the second one. I, I would have to look like over the years. I keep track of all of my work and all the times I submit. I've been doing that for years. And so those type of questions I have to kind of look back and go I think I remember that and, um, nowadays my my process is different you know early on in my career I wasn't as picky and now that I've been doing it for quite a while mm-hmm. I will ask filmmakers can I see some of show me a, show me protect the director's yourself. work you show me the dp's work mm-hmm. show me and sometimes you don't get a ton and sometimes mm-hmm. you do so um, my standard's really, really high, and I will I will lower it some if I think that the, the if it's still good, but not like, like it's going to win Tribeca. You know, like it's sure, right. so gorgeous, because I know what people's levels are. It's good, but it's not the dream, but it's still good. But it's not like, I don't want to, there have been even recent ones where I was like, I don't know if it's not worth it. Right.
1: Well, that's what I tell filmmakers, what I tell Potential crew members when I tell young actors starting out when you first start out do everything you possibly can and do it for free Do it pro bono don't expect to make a ton of money doing this stuff when you first start out Just do it to learn a if you even like this type of work mm-hmm. And if you like stage or you like film because they are very different disciplines mm-hmm. and most people when they start out doing stage They're doing little black box theater community theater high school theater. You're not getting paid to do that you're doing it and either you really like it and you have to keep doing it or you're like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So that's what I tell people. When you first start out, don't, don't say no to anything. Say yes to pretty much everything. And then once you have that experience and you have some projects on your belt, then you can be a little bit more like, well, I don't think this is up to my level mm-hmm. or i don't think this is a project i need to be involved with you know at, at some point you, you kind of stop doing the student films you stop doing the black box theater and you, you're doing it more because you have a passion for it but also because there's some pedigree behind it and maybe mm-hmm. god willing you can make a little money <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah and when you first start out you also don't have a resume no and it's kind of like catch-22 is the chicken or the egg which comes first so it's hard to get representation when you don't have a resume but how do you get it if you don't have representation to get you some extra roles and so a lot of it's a grind of trying to find your own work and like you said you know volunteering for some things um nothing wrong with going for the paid ones either but if, like when I cast, I know that if I see something on someone's resume, I know that they have a little experience. Mm-hmm. So they've been on some sets. Now it may only be sets. it just it all varies. But you have a little bit more of an understanding because you at least tried yeah. as opposed to someone else. Or so. well, everybody
0: has to start somewhere.
2: Right, and that's hard in this industry because right. you either get the catch or you know someone or you just
0: grind it grind out.
2: And it's, it's hard, it's about once Almost we, once a year, I'm like, I'm, I'm a fighter, so I will never quit. I love what I do. But there's a point every year where I'm like,
0: We told this you it is sucks, so much work.
2: <laughs> I know. It's a beautiful suck, though. Can I say that? Those yeah. two words go together. Yeah, absolutely. Because well, you appreciate things that you work hard for. Exactly.
1: Because yeah. you do a lot of volunteer work. I mean, as far as humanitarian work. So I often liken Indie Film Sucks, and independent film, to the Peace Corps. And the old mm. Peace Corps motto was the toughest job you'll ever love. Yeah, it's really hard, and yeah, there's a lot of suck, but there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. So, what got you into the, all this? How did you actually get started?
2: What part of this? Well, well which, <laughs> what, no, what,
3: well, like what yeah. started you? Directing, acting? What? what How did you get into um, this? Filmmaking?
2: Basically, the way that I that I tell my story is, you know, growing up. I went to public school half my life and the private school the other. And that private school is really, really small in St. Louis. And so the small classroom that I had, a lot of the girls wanted to be actors. And that's kind of what I kept hearing the chatter. And it wasn't necessarily me. And I didn't have a lot of crushes like they did and have posts, you know, like. But I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll just try. So in sixth grade, my parents were very gracious. And they took me to a local agency and I auditioned. Mm-hmm. And then I took classes. And then I did, you know, like cold reads and commercials and all or auditioning for it but I didn't stick with it. If this was I could show you my first headshot. It's lovely. It's black and white Same. my hair yeah. was I used to have like ramen noodles for curls before when I hit <laughs> puberty like I, it looks completely different. Um, so I took a bunch of classes which I still remember some of them to this day. We took runway and we took acting we took you know and I just didn't stick with it and that was okay I wasn't sad about that my parents didn't pressure me one way or the other I, I just tried it. So you fast forward over a decade and I'm married and I have my first kid and he's, he can sit up. (laughs) I don't think he can talk yet. Um, and I was like, you know, I have a flexible schedule and they always need babies. Right? So let's bring him to the agency. (laughs) So I went back to the agency I'd been with when I was a teenager, hadn't been there in years. And while I was there, I auditioned as well. I was like, you know, I'm a very different person than what I was as a teenager, as we all are, obviously. And so they accepted us both, and then I just dabbled in it, and it was just a fun hobby. Then I took some more classes, and I was like, okay. Then I started doing, it was more of a job when I was making money, and then it became a career, and then it became a passion. And it was funny, because I look back at the, the girls I grew up with, and one works for like PBS, another one works behind the camera, but like in a certain department. None of them are acting, and here I am, the one who didn't really want anything to do (laughs) with it decades later in this industry that I love. And so my natural skill set has always been more the producing side. I've, I've produced live events before I was in film and TV, and a lot of those skills are transferable. One's live and one's for camera. And so I don't remember what point it was in my acting career, but I started offering to do more, and then it just... It grew to where it is today. So photojournalism is a whole other story I can tell you about. But as far as, like, media industry, that's how that came together. So your
0: degree's in media communications with a emphasis on public relations. Well done. Yeah, you thank did you your so hard. much. Um, so when I, and I didn't know that story. I mean, I read it online. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you want to go into public relations? Or, is, or for young people out there listening mm-hmm. to us now, are those degrees that help support what you wanted to do? Or were those conflicting things? Or what?
2: Very good question, oh, thank you. yes, well done. Uh, that, I can definitely see how that played a part in working behind the camera as far as producing. So my love back then was events, and I thought maybe I'd wanna do that for a living. And so a lot of the skills I learned in, you do event planning, you do public relations, marketing, I will say a lot of those things help you understand brand and audience, and you just think a little differently than just the normal creative who doesn't have some of that training. Um, you know, I went into debt for it for many, many years. <laughs> uh, finally finished that debt a couple years ago. Good for you. Um, and then my son started. So, you know, it all just transitions <laughs> over. Yeah, we kids, we're never out of debt. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, so I would say it did. I, I didn't necessarily see myself doing public relations. That's just what the emphasis was in. But I definitely wanted more events. Those skills were transferable that I never, ever dreamed I'd be doing. So what I do now every day is nothing that I trained for specifically growing up and I've always said like I've told my son I was like you have a mother who's tried many different things and it took until her 30s which I'm not in my 30s anymore but it took until later in life to find what I really loved but I can look back and see how all of my choices the good and the bad jobs they all played a part in who I am today and I'm grateful for that.
0: So even though it wasn't necessarily that was the, the role, it, it was supporting what you eventually found yourself doing mm-hmm. and you just pulled from all those kind yeah. of skills and all that yep. kind of stuff. That's, that's pretty awesome because I see performer, producer, casting, photojournalist, director, event planner. You mentioned a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. So and I brought I think you brought up photojournalism. What a project that was. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. That was, I mean, even your post today still has those pictures with the mm-hmm. little quotes underneath them. That's part of
2: my branding. That's my my social media. I schedule it every week. <laughs> Once a week I show one photo um, with a quote. That's what I...
0: Do you do that yourself, the social media? Is that you mm-hmm. or is that a company?
2: No, that's me. So I have a special, yeah, I have my own personal schedule and branding and... and it out ahead of time, I try to. So. Yeah, so
0: We'll <laughs> talk about the trip a little bit and how that photojournalism kind of fits yes. into the rest of what you just talked about. Yeah, Gosh. so
2: let's see, photojournalism, you know, all of this can fall under the same basket of storytelling, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. all tell stories, we all tell it different ways. I just have the honor of doing it on both sides of the camera. Photojournalism, I fell into, again, I've always loved taking pictures, but it wasn't something, again, I dreamed of ever doing for a living, or never even thought or even explored photojournalism. I actually didn't really know about it until I started doing it. <laughs> so many years ago, I should know what year, but I still don't, after I've been asked this question many times. Many years ago, uh, I was at church, and a woman in the, the lobby was talking about the nonprofit she started in Uganda. And she was complaining how a local agency had offered to like design these thank you cards. And they just weren't following through time and time again. I was like, well, I do graphic design. I'd be happy to do that. So I started creating promotional uh, material for them, but they were giving me these images that were tiny. Like, if you blow them up, they look grainy, and they're not professional. I was like, do you have anything with better branding? Any other images? And they're like, no, but why don't you come with us? And I'm very, very (laughs) transparent when I say all of my work I had done was in Europe. I had been to Romania many a times. i have been to Dominican Republic, which is not Europe, but um, and Hungary lived in those countries. And so that was my main experience. And I always had a... I always stereotyped Africa, which I've been to many, many times now, as bugs and snakes. And it's not. There are, it's not that. Mm-hmm. There are those in every can, country. I've yeah. never been there. I yeah. still think yeah. it might
0: be bugs. I don't know about <laughs> there snakes. are definitely but... <laughs>
2: bugs. Uh, and so I had never felt really called or led to that part of the world until that nonprofit said, well, why don't you come with us? We're bringing a medical, medical team over. We'll give you a couple college interns. You collect stories and you take pictures that you can use in our stuff. And I was like, okay. So I didn't own a camera. I borrowed my parents' camera. Mm. And I went over for, it's like a, at least two weeks, because it's pretty far away. And that was the catalyst to, of a love that I never knew existed. Oh. So when I was over there, I found this niche that I that I loved, and I, I had already obviously been doing nonprofit work. I also worked in, in the inner city of St. Louis for many, many years downtown. And so I already had a love for people, and I had a love for new cultures, and I wasn't afraid to travel and I was okay being taken out of my comfort zone. And so when I was there, I realized, I kind of like taking pictures. And I would come back, or when I came back, people saw some of them and they started asking me to take pictures of their family and you know all that stuff. And I did that for a while and I realized I hate it. I don't like post photography. Uh-huh. I'm not a studio photographer. Granted, I've done it for friends. I, yeah, I'll still sometimes do it with my friend's senior picture. You know, like, I'll still do what I can, but I did not like doing it. I did it for a while, and it just wasn't my niche. And I really found I like being where people are and capturing life in the moment. And the more remote the better. In fact, I've told, <laughs> I told um, usually my hosts overseas, I'm like, take me to the mo- most remote remote places. I want to be where the people are. I do not want to be a tourist. So one time we were out in the middle of the desert in the Middle East and they're like, well, this is remote. And I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> so that one trip just planted the seed that just continued to grow. And so after some of those pictures um, and people started saying things to me like, well maybe I should see if someone else needs pictures. And so I reached out to some other nonprofits, people I told me about or I had heard. And then the first one to reply to that email um, was a children's home called Robin's Nest. And it sits mm-hmm. on top of a mountain, and like an hour from Montego Bay. And they're like, we were just praying for someone with your skill set. Can you come in like six weeks? And I was like, of course. I went there 16 times in four years. Yeah. And you just wow. got back
0: last year again, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, but that
2: time I did a video for them, yeah. Uh, but I was doing photojournalism, and that's another story I can tell you about that's amazing. <laughs> so, But that just started. I started reaching out to other nonprofits when I saw they might need work. So i done Souls for Souls. That's worldwide. I did endless opportunities. I, Bethany Kids, I did, like all these nonprofits, and I say photojournalism feeds me in a way that nothing else in this world does. Um, and I, one of my hosts, we were in the market um, in Tunisia. That's in Africa, by the way. Okay, thank you. They asked me to go to Tunisia, and I said yes, and I hung up, and I was like, I don't know where that is. I had to figure mm. out where that was. <laughs> <laughs> he was taking me through the market, and it's very similar in a lot of markets. You know, I'm usually the whitest person there, I'm an American, I'm a female. I stick out like a sore thumb, and then I have a camera. (laughs) Um, So you know, you hear the comments and people trying to get your attention and stuff, and it doesn't faze me. Um, One one guide or host one time, she's like, I never take anyone to the market. It's intimidating, it can be dangerous, but you're the first person I felt comfortable with, and she left me alone. And so anyways, this other person, we got back from the market and I had taken these pictures, and he said, I just watched you and you just shine when you are interacting with people and I didn't know their language and there's just a beauty of connecting with people when you where people see so many differences but you still have some similarities and so my mission I feel like photojournalism storytelling in general but specifically that there's a huge responsibility that my job is to capture this truth to expose to the world so they can no longer deny it you know to show beauty and brokenness to just break down barriers Um, and I've seen that happen Um, in. I've been to like, I think 16 countries now and it's just, life is beautiful, um, but we get scared of that. And there are some scary moments. I've, I've taken hostage and kidnapping training. Um, I've signed forms that most American Midwest moms have never signed from their government. Like mm-hmm. if you're kidnapped or taken hostage, this is what we will do. Okay, here's my <laughs> signature. Um, so yeah, it's not a normal everyday life, but I would not trade it for the world.
0: You obviously got a supporting family. Yes, <laughs> so, that's the key. That's so talk key. a little bit about that, though, when mom's off doing this yeah. or that. How does that kind of fit in? Because you're juggling a lot of, I mean, I, maybe three balls in the air for us, five. Rocky probably got seven balls. you got about 15 <laughs> you're juggling, it sounds like, at least. So
2: I have two boys, and they're, they've grown up with me doing this, so to them it's just normal, okay. which is what I love. So to them, they know if mom leaves, she's coming back, she's either on a gig, or, and to them, that's not that special. I mean, they're used to, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just mom's job. And I love that because even though it is cool, it doesn't mean I'm any more important than a teacher or a garbage man or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as photojournalism, I actually have pictures around my house, not to showcase my work, but to remind my boys that life is bigger than what they see. Um, and there's a story I often tell of my oldest. A few years ago, he, he said, Mom, you know, our house is really creepy. I was like, okay, why? There's so many pictures of strangers on the wall, and mm. I said, mm. okay, but why do we? Why do I do that? And he he knew. It's to remind me that life's bigger than what I see. And I was like, okay, the strangers they're gonna be, and I don't even know most of their names. I don't. When I'm walking the slums or in villages, I don't have time to meet and remember names and stuff. And sometimes I have a translator and sometimes I don't. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't do what I do without a supportive family and a supportive community. But I love that for my family, it is normal. It's not It's not always easy. Mm-hmm. My boys are a little older now, so it makes it easier. But when they were young, I had to have, you know, the husband and the parents and friends. And But that's also the beauty of community, if we're supporting each other a lot, we can make a big difference, so.
0: Anybody following in your footsteps?
2: No, my oldest, who will be 20 next this, this week, um, he, no, next week, next week, he's a Valentine baby. When he was younger, he had a little interest in f- photography, but it didn't stick, and that's okay. He's a carpenter now, Okay. <laughs> so not that. Um, but he is going actually on, he's going to the Dominican Republic to serve. He's going to go build houses and do some camps and stuff this summer. So Very I love cool. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always wanted, I took him to Jamaica with me one time just to expose him a little bit. I really had planned to take him to Haiti. I'd been there many a times. But the, the president had just been assassinated and the kidnappings kind of went up. So that was hmm. off the table <laughs> even for me for a while. So, no, you know, my parents have always been supportive because my first time overseas was with my dad was on the trip. And then every time after, I was either with a team or alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they had been overseas each themselves, I think, before um, when they were younger. But they've always been very supportive. And I would say that, that if it wasn't for that, I probably I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I'm also extremely independent, and that plays a big part. So I'm very stubborn. I'm very independent. So I, I'm very... A lot of the comments that I've gotten over the years from strangers and from friends is... Are some people say, well, how does your husband let you go? And I was like, well, he doesn't let me. (laughs) We have conversations. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, and and you go by yourself? And I was like, yeah. They're like, but you go to all these countries. And I was like, yeah. Or, that's so brave, weren't you scared? And I was like, you know, there are some guns, but they weren't pointed at me. You know, like, but I have been doing it for so long. I think it was preparing me to what I've seen and done now, because things don't startle me as much, or I'm a lot more confident. Um, because of that. Oh, I saw
0: one of your Facebook posts where you took a picture of somebody that it was the daughter or the mom and the thing. Oh, you're going right? to
2: cry. Yeah? See? Aww. I do know myself. You do? <laughs> you're doing really well. This might bring me to tears. I was just telling my friend who took the picture, because um, I, I framed it on my wall. It's in my bedroom. Yeah, so there are, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, you may have heard of it, you may not have seen it, but there are communities who actually live within landfills in other countries. So I've been to Guatemala and and spent time with them there. And in Jamaica, on the way up to Robins Nest, there's what we call the dump. You can smell it before you get there. Um, this is where everyone, all the trucks and stuff go up. You have to drive through this community where there's just trash everywhere. Um, and then the further you go up, the more trash there is. And that's where. You, and then when you dump it, there actually are people living within the landfill. And so I don't remember what year it was within the 16 trips, but one of the times they're like, hey, do you want to come with us to the dump? You can't, don't get out of the truck. Like There is that fine line as a photojournalist of reading the room. And I can talk about that in a minute as far as like gaining trust quickly because it is very sensitive to take someone's photo, especially when you're not like them. And so you want to be sensitive to the situation, right? Like you're, you're, I'm not going to put you in a magazine and, and I expose you. It's not that my goal is to honor you and to, you know, and, and so anyways, we, we went to the dump and I took a few pictures from inside secretly. I remember going thinking, I don't want to flinch. I don't want to act like this is different. And so the first time I went, I was hooked. Like, I just loved these people. And then I had brought a team over one time. And I said, you guys have to stay. They were in the back of a dump truck. And we we bought food. And we put them in bags. And we handed it out to people. And I was the only one that got out of the truck. And I was the one that met people and stuff. Um, but the other thing about photojournalism is, especially in very, very poor countries, but there are even places in the US where this has been a gift, a lot of times their legacy does there's no proof of their legacy visually. They don't have cameras. A lot of people have phones now. It's the craziest thing to see people with phones in the jungle. Oh. Uh, but they don't have cameras. And if they did, they don't have the money to develop it. And so if I'm able to, I will bring back photos. So I had taken photos. Again, I know I'm very <laughs> very independent, but I just, I just go and I just walk and I just meet people and I just walk through the trash and I'm hugging and I'm shaking and I'm talking and and i had this group of photos from 10 years ago and i thought i should bring them i haven't been to the dump i'd only been there a handful of times but they just hold this special place in my heart because they're just real and when you can see beauty beyond the circumstances it's just it changes you and so i was asked to produce and direct a film for their 25th anniversary so i brought over a couple filmmakers from here um josh bywater which i think a couple of you know i know um, josh okay we <laughs> were in a film together and we clicked and we've stayed in contact so he i flew him over so the, those three guys and myself and we spent i think it was five nights six days something like that over there and i was like okay well so kai kai condren and spencer peck were there i was like okay well, you two get the drone footage and you um get some b-roll and i i asked the director i was like really weird request but would you mind saving your trash until i come don't unload it because i really want to go with edio to the dump and he's like yeah that's great i was like okay so i helped fill the dump the dump truck with with the trash from the the nest and i had one spot left so i had josh come and josh and i raised money we raised five hundred dollars and we packed up all our my tiny little team we packed up all the food we put rice in a bag and beans in a bag which were they called peas and we put it in a backpack so everyone got the backpack And we stuffed this dump truck trash truck with these bags we're sitting on top of and climbing over and they're on our laps and we jumped out and I brought all the pictures and so we jumped out and we're handing out bags and stuff and one of the first pictures I had was this um, young mother and she's pregnant with a baby and a guy and then there's a woman in the background which is the mom and I'm showing like you know kids you're you're like a, you're like velcro we call them velcro kids they just oh, come to you and they don't come off and they're looking and they want and they want and you know so I'm looking at all these photos and this woman walks up to me and I said hey do you know that and she gives me a hug and is almost is I don't know if she actually cried but she was literally almost in tears and she goes that's me that's me that's me 10 years ago that's my baby she's 10 and that's my mom let me show my mom mm-hmm. they lived in the same shed that was there 10 years ago and the guy that's in the picture his name's the hulk He didn't have a shirt on (laughs) and he was in a different picture and the Hulk is still there. He's still bulky. And so um, Josh and I went back to where they live and they had us meet their whole family. We took a new family picture and I said, with the mom and the daughter, daughter looks nothing like she did back then. Um, It was this moment of just an investment in people that it just mattered Say, I'm going to tear up. I'm not a crier. Ah, I need to cry this I'm weekend. Yes. So I need to think of this. That's what I was thinking. Um, I had to prepare you for you. this. Thank you. You really prepped. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, hey, Josh, can you take our picture? And when you say that, a lot of times you wait for smiles, and we have a smiling one. But he captured a moment of us interacting and looking at each other and just joy, despite what we were standing around, despite what it smelled like. And then, um, so that's what the picture that I posted of, and they had their photos, mm-hmm. and that was like a gem to them. We take it for granted, but this is like, this is their legacy, this is proof that they were alive. And then we went up into the landfill, and I'm just walking all throughout the trash, and um, the guy in the, they have these huge, um, I'm not a machinery person, it's a farm machinery, they push all the trash, with this big old plow, and mm-hmm. he stops and calls me over, he wants a bag, and we're just handing him out, and, and, yeah, anyways, that's where that story came from. It was just one of those moments. Of Thank
0: life. you. And I get the pleasure of getting the backstory. So There's thanks, the thanks. backstory. Absolutely. Sorry, Thank you for sharing. <laughs> so, no, we can move on to more line art stuff, guys. If you... <laughs> well, I, I,
1: I do have a question. Uh, if someone asks you, what does Jessica Ambule do, mm-hmm. what is your answer? Because if someone asked mm-hmm. me, they would say, oh, I'm a writer-director.
2: Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's what I do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What would your answer be?
2: My answer is, typically, I have the honor of professionally storytelling on both sides of the camera.
0: Okay, what's the real answer,
2: Jess? (laughs) (laughs) And then I say, uh, my passion is acting. If I could do that 24-7, I'd be happy. Photojournalism feeds my soul like nothing else in this world, and I take one to three trips a year, and that'll never stop. And then everything else I do behind the camera is just a natural gift set, and I just fill in with when I have time and projects that I want to do.
3: Well, I think it's pretty cool that you do that, because what you said a minute ago... You, you're not there to exploit anything. You know, you're there for a passion and to let the world know what's going on, which is commendable and awesome. So that's very cool.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah. Speaking of acting, congratulations on your award over Burn to Burn. Oh,
2: thank you. Yeah, tell us yeah. about that short
0: a little bit. Or Was that yeah. a recent project? Like, was that in 23 <coughs> and it just got over there in 24? No. It's called so, Do- Dolly. Yes, Dolly, yeah. so
2: it is a more of a psychological horror that Peter Carlos from Lindenwood wrote. And he, I know Peter. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. so he contacted me and said, I want you to do, play the lead. Josh was my husband. Um, he flew in from L.A. to do that, and it is a story about um, loss. So I, I won't give this away, but um, basically one of our twin daughters dies. I blame myself, and I'm struggling with it, and then you can imagine from there, there's a doll that comes in that reminds me of her and so forth. So this short is... a is also a proof of concept for a feature so okay. he's going to use it to raise money um so he did submit it to a few festivals and we got that which is really lovely no, that's,
0: that's, that's it's not close. out yet
2: um it's been a year and a half okay so um but he said soon it will it will be at least shown to cast and crew and then and then start putting the pitch deck together and even though it's it's a short it sits by itself um he'll show that to investors to hopefully say yeah we want to see a whole a whole 90 minutes of it
0: So let me ask you this then. What's stage 27? Is that still the concept with the... Is that kind of...
2: that's something different. Totally different. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you, you
0: say these concept things. Cause I see like post on, hey, try not a new thing for Stage 27. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. This was, a, okay, so Dolly was a filmmaker Correct. making a concept yeah. that you just happened to be involved in. Yep. Did an incredible job, won a nice award, and it could be a feature someday yeah. if it would. Okay. I hope so. And then yeah. Stage 27 is?
2: When people reach out and say, I want to learn this, or I've heard I should talk to you about this. Sometimes that turns into longer connections or friendships or relationships, you never know where it's going to lead, right? So I don't ever want to say no to somebody. I always want to respond to everything that's sent to me. And so um, JT, who, uh, who's co-owner of Stage 27 last year, he just reached out and said, hey, I heard about you from so-and-so. Just want to tell you, I have this studio. We're going to be building it out. And he said, great. And he sent me some pictures. I said, okay. So then he reached out. Um, I don't remember if it was in January or the end of December and said, hey, I have this idea. Um, actors need um, good footage for their demo reel, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> because, again, if you have no experience, how are you going to get footage mm-hmm. to show you can do it? Of course, in the workshops that I teach, I say, do a good monologue. You know, there's there's ways around that. But he's like, so do you just want to come? I, I have one guy come and do something. Do you, can you just come and we'll just do a scene and see how it is? So that was the first one. <laughs> And so we've just been trying out, like, all these different spots within the studio, all these different setups. Was
3: that the nurse one?
2: So the first one was with um, Wolfgang. Okay. So that was Pale Blue Dot, which was kind of cool. AI written. Yeah. That's what I saw. Yeah, so tell me about I that. When I got the script, I was like, this isn't conversational, but okay. And so uh, he did a fantastic job editing it, because there are a lot of lines that you did not hear. <laughs> in the, And it was great. Like, the way it turned out, I really liked it. Then we did... Um, Zachary Scott Clark and I did the one in The Detective, and that got a huge... That got a lot of people interested in, like, what are you doing? Um, And that one is what he wrote. He wrote um, an episodic, and that's a scene from that. Okay. Then he just wrote something short for um, Kaja Steele, who had reached out to him and said, I have some interest, and he had a whole medical room. So... I just played a, a nurse that wasn't the focus wasn't on me and it's just a comedy and it was it's fun. Funny. Then we did funny. the LED wall. Zach came back and it was another. It was more of a monologue. I'm in there a little bit, but for Zach and that was from that same episode. Um, just to show examples like can JT do it? it what are some ideas? And so <laughs> actually, I got dings on the way over. I sent him an interest form, a Google interest form that I created that we'll probably be putting out to say who's interested. Here's the rate. This is what you'll get. To see, so um, yeah. and stage
1: twenty seven is a local St. Louis.
2: It is, yep, it is. It has um, actually has a CYC wall, an LED wall. It has all these little rooms that are set up. They're gonna have an old. They have an old kitchen almost in, and so I really I appreciated. He was trying to find needs, and this is definitely a need. We have uh-huh. some other little things that you know. We have someone that can help you with self tapes. We have someone that can help you edit, but we don't have this like the big markets do. Like. I know someone that went to L.A. and paid thousands of dollars to do this. St. Louis can't charge thousands of dollars, but we can charge something. I mean, but it's a nice service to get something that looks decent and good to show because agents, especially as you, agents want good stuff.
0: Is this kind of something where somebody would have to come prepared and know what sets they had or they would give you something prepared in order to? Plan it out. How does it work? I mean, mean, that's a good question. We're kind of
2: we're kind of figuring it out. out. But essentially, the idea is one setup, one script. Six people might get the same script. So if someone comes in for an hour, you do the script. There's a reader that we give you, you who's not the main focus. Um, The Color grading, sound design, editing is all done for you. You get the downloadable link, but you get the script ahead of time. Um, we've also thought about, like, do we incorporate writers? There's been some writers that reached out and, like, well, can you, can you shoot some of my stuff? Because I'd like to have samples of mine. So we're trying to figure that out. But right now it's, um, you know, we're, we're working out those details. But essentially, everything would be done for you. As an actor, you just need to come prepared.
0: That's a great concept with everything, with us, us, I say us because we're filmmakers as well, Mm -hmm. trying to build the infrastructure Mm -hmm. of what's going on in Missouri Mm -hmm. and trying to build that up, especially Mm -hmm. with the the tax credits. I know you're highly involved in that, (laughs) and that's important to you. And uh, I think you just got off a project that uh, took advantage of the first Mm -hmm. tax credits. Yeah. Boast on that a little bit (laughs) if you want
2: to. (laughs) Um, I I can't take any credit for it. Bringing the tax credit here. There yep. are so many people who did all the work. I just support. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been in some of those conversations and rooms and meetings to say what's next. And so On Fire was the first feature film to get um, the tax credit. I was. I knew that was coming months before. I knew that they were in the wings waiting. They were just waiting to see if it happened. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I had been hired by Speak Up Productions, which is led by Dan Paris, to do a short film for a nonprofit called Love the Lou. It's a narrative, so it's not like a talking head video. It's actually a full short story. Um, and and we had done a teaser for it years ago, but COVID happened, so they lost all the funding. Mm-hmm. So we only had, you know, you know that story. <laughs> we know that so we only well. had like this much money, so we made a teaser three years later here we are and we have the money and now so I'm hired to produce and so Dan's like what do you think if we try the tax incentive I was like okay I don't know if we have time because you can't you can't spend the money until you get your approval letter or none of what you spend before the approval letter counts as treasure expenses and so we were kind of the guinea pig and we worked with Andrea and Grace of the Missouri Film Office who were incredible and so we were the short first short film to get the tax incentive and um incredibly honored and selfishly proud to be able to say that and you know kelly hyatt's the new person at the st louis film office she's the new hire she came on set um, andrew and grace came on set like people were just incredibly supportive of this story and and helped us all the way along so yeah i mean it is extra work but it's worth it in the end
1: i don't know i have mixed feelings about people's reaction to on fire mm-hmm. one i think it's great that I think it's great the tax credit came back I think it's great that bigger movies are being made here but I've heard some people say erroneously that oh no films have been made in St. Louis since the tax credit went away and as I said immediately to someone on social media said that's completely incorrect. <laughs> there in have May. been <laughs> many, many films yes. made here without the benefit of the tax credit. Mm-hmm. Film in St. Louis never went away. Mm-hmm. And even if, if the tax credit goes away again, and it'll, it, still, be here. it'll still be here.
2: It just brings a, a larger budget projects here. Mm-hmm. It, it does. just attracts it, it
1: brings larger budget outside mm-hmm. projects, which is good and bad. Mm-hmm. I, I think it remains to be seen if we can build an infrastructure like in Atlanta, like a Louisiana the state of it, can Missouri do that
2: uh, I will tell you this I've been in multiple meetings with the heads of our Missouri state film industry and we've been talking about that for months so literally even last week we had a two-hour zoom call to say what can we do what are the spaces we to filled tomorrow we have a town hall meeting um, we're on-fire crews coming to say, these are the holes we saw. this is what's needed. Nice. And um, the unions part of it, non-unions, like we're, we're talking. So it is recognized that we don't want to be a failed <laughs> a failed city no. that got it. And so we're working really, really hard, but it also takes time. And so like the continuity what I'm involved in, we're, we're filling a niche, but there are lots of other needs as well. So do know that it's been talked about for months and we're really trying. Yeah, but it we, is
0: a need. We have a mutual friend that we just saw that was talking about this round table of saying who's who's at the table, mm-hmm. where do we have the niche, where do we have the needs, and mm-hmm. where do we need to fill them? But it starts with that conversation because mm-hmm. if you don't have those, mm-hmm. and if that doesn't stay together, you're always going to miss the mark. So I thought that was key when he was talking about that. that yeah, if
3: you can't if you can't yeah. diagnose the problem, you can't fix it. Right. So mm-hmm. those conversations are really mm-hmm. really and good. I was in,
0: that it was the legal aspect of it Mm -hmm. and this aspect of it and this aspect and the unions were involved Mm -hmm. saying, hey, we're all pulling for the same thing. We're just trying to fit ourselves in as independent filmmakers, Mm -hmm. low budget, trying to, where do we fit in and how, how can we support and still feel as if, because we've always been here, um, as you have, as everybody else Mm -hmm. has, but we're trying to say is we have to join now to grow with it. To have maybe that voice for the independent act, you know, the independent filmmakers. filmmakers here in St. Louis, and now's the time. So, talk about continuity a little bit, though, because I think that's important. I think you do like workshops, that kind of stuff that I've seen, so I think that's pretty important with even if there wasn't this film credit, right? Yeah. It's in four, I mean, because I see your. Giving people skills that want to maybe probably get it, dip their toes into the water a little bit.
2: Yeah, this is year three, so. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah,
2: it's it's been going on for a while. Um, I I'm not part of the conception of continuity. It's a nonprofit locally that started in 2014 okay. by two gentlemen who saw a need for more diversity in our industry. And so back then, before I was attached, I knew about it. They were doing a free, uh, like a 36 week film school for for diverse students, and they're all adults. And I don't know if they did it for two or three years. But then, I don't know if you remember, 2019 was the In Motion um, mm-hmm. conference. And so I was hired to help produce that. And so um, Michael Francis was another one that was hired to help produce that conference. And we, that conference was so much fun. It was, it was packed. It was such a great vibe. We've tried to do it since. Just like, you know, we have talked to venues and COVID just screwed up so much stuff. Anyways, from that, because that was continuity-led... They asked Michael and I to join the board, and so we went through kind of a transition of what does, how does, it, what does it look like to fulfill our mission, which is to increase diversity in the media industry by, um, you know, teaching and mentoring and so forth. So we came up with this idea of workshops. Um, basically, they're three in a series. One's on set basics. If you attend that, you get to come to the pre-production one. If you go to that one, you go to the production (laughs) one. The way the grants are written, you have to do it sequentially. Mm. Um, In the beginning, the Missouri Film Office funded it all, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. They're really supportive of growing our industry. And and so we brought in industry professionals from around the area. A couple times we flew in people, but they had St. Louis ties, they worked here before we were born here or whatnot and they would teach we usually have about 30 to 40 people um it's a beautiful picture of life that sits there because it looks, it looks it's not all, not all one color it's not all one age it's just a really great it's been great um and then it's a full day like it is literally this next one coming up is eight thirty in the morning to 7 p.m at night and we do intense training. Um, we do breaks, and we f- I feed them breakfast and lunch, and we do networking and hors d'oeuvres at the end. And the first one basically is so that, and they all they come from all walks of life. Some people have had like small production companies, some have no experience at all, some are actors, some are whatever. But they leave that first day, well, that first workshop having enough knowledge to walk onto a set as a production assistant. Then the next two, general session in the morning, and then um, breakouts in the afternoon where there are intense breakouts on specific roles. And again, these are local industry professionals that come in and do this. Um, Andrea's there at the end Mm -hmm. talking about um, where to find work and what the Missouri Film Office offers. And then we've done it in Kansas City, and it it went beautifully. The vibe there is amazing, like the energy and people are so excited. PBS will let us know this week, because we held it at PBS, if what's the next state that they're available we can do it again and oh, nice. then there's another city in st Louis, in missouri that's looking asking us to come so the idea is to grow it. it just depends on what our bandwidth is it really we've seen people like within the class they get to and they collaborate we've had because we always do surveys one person's like i so wish i would have done this before i made my first film now i feel better or now that i took this i thought i wanted to be a director i don't want to be a director i want to be a first ad i'm like so like there's just they're more knowledgeable. They feel empowered. We believe in them. And then if they if they do all three, then we have kind of a graduation, and um, they don't really know that we give them a certificate. And we our first graduating class was last year, and I felt like a mom, like I was almost <laughs> in tears because they were so excited. They didn't. I mean, this is a paper certificate, but they felt like they had accomplished so much. Um, the really cool thing. Two things from that. Anyone who attends a Set Basics workshop is part of what we uh, piloted last year, an apprenticeship program. Mm. So an independent film, like any of yours, a production company, can come to us and say, Hey, I've got a production on this date or dates. I would like a PA, and I'm okay if they're green. And then their pay is subsidized, right? Well... The Missouri Film Office pays for it right now. The goal is for production companies to help invest in this. But right now, so like I used one PA on mine and they paid for it. um, And he learned. He learned a lot because it again it's one thing to learn all this but it's another thing to be on set so like unbridled <laughs> and rival and all these it's been great to see be able to put people who are attending our workshops that care about growing and then put them on a professional set we were
0: on a commercial shoot together with a couple of your pas uh, right? Oh, that's JJ? right yeah
2: yeah i forgot about it they were
0: so excited it's so fun to it's see it's like first yes. day of school yes um, i still follow both of them on facebook God. and yeah
2: we talk great. about it on our
0: podcast about how quick that do community mm. theater communities build that family mm-hmm. aspect of it. And that's no exactly doubt. what it sounds like. Kind of what you yeah. at least get out of that. And hopefully some people kind of continue on. That's mm-hmm. the purpose behind it. You give yeah. them a new kind of hope or life, or yeah. you know, some other direction <laughs> that they didn't know they had in them.
2: It's fun to see where they end up. Like, um, one of our, three of our PAs were on, on fire. One was a key PA the entire shoot. Another one was a costumer in the wardrobe department. And another one was just a PA. Um,
0: just a PA.
2: Well, I mean, like, they didn't have like key PA. It wasn't like, it's like PA, sorry. It's
0: good. It's <laughs> good. Sometimes no responsibility. You just uh, gotta just.
2: It's it's a very important role. It is a And then role. the added thing, and I'll be done with this, is that with the new tax incentive, if you are approved for it, you have to use one PA, if you remember this from the SLIF panel, yep. that's gone through a, a state accredited program. We didn't mean to be the only one. We're just the only one right now. So the nice thing is the advantages of if, if programs, if, Projects come, no matter where they are in the state. We can offer it to people who attended it in Kansas City. So, like, we even had a, a film reach out to us and say, "We're doing it in Kansas City. Who are your PA's?" Yeah, because they fantastic. want that extra
0: two, three percent that they can add up to their yeah. maximum. Yeah, but then our people get
2: experience. It's fantastic. On, so on a movie set, which yeah. is
0: which is what's key yeah. to get that experience.
3: So you start out by bringing back the curtain and letting them know what each job really is and how how to do it.
2: Set basics is production overview of all the departments. And then we go into specifics on PA work. Set etiquette, safety, dress code, do's Mm. and don'ts, tips and tricks. We talk about networking. We talk about where to find work. So it's like when I book speakers, I always say, listen, this is very broad. It's to make sure we're all start at the same level. And then the next two workshops are intense. Like we bring in Curtis McCarty, brought his grip truck, and he unloaded it and showed them what to do. And we had a production designer and they went through you know setups and so yeah the other two are a little bit more intense i'll
1: tell you one piece of set etiquette uh <laughs> yes when you're on set don't uh bring your business card and start handing that out we uh <laughs> years and years ago I know somebody who does that. we we were uh we were taping auditions for our first feature film amphetamine and and the camera guy is passing out his card to every actor who's coming up Aww. to the to the uh, audition and so eventually we had to say uh, buddy what are you doing oh I'm just trying to No, you're trying to uh, get actors for whatever you're doing (laughs) later on but you're actually shooting the audition for this film (laughs) that we're, we're going to be making so Please don't do that. Mm-hmm. I only did three jobs with that guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I hope they pay, at least. <laughs>
1: exactly.
3: Oh. Did you
2: take his car. Oh. Uh,
1: I got taken advantage of oh. again. <laughs> you got <guys>
2: taken advantage <laughs> of three times yeah. only. Well,
1: <laughs> things I do for a resume builder. Can't anyway. them all. <laughs> but, but here's here's something that's kind of happened recently in the St. Louis film scene. I'm, I know you've heard about this. There's been a big shakeup at Cinema St. Louis.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And how do you think that is going to play out? Because Cinema St. Louis is basically the local organization that runs the festivals. Mm-hmm and i know another filmmaker who is he's doing his own festival and there's a lot more festivals popping up which i think is great and i was a big fan of cinema st louis you know mm-hmm. i can't say i'm not a fan now but i think more people putting on festivals more diverse festivals is a awesome thing but what do you think about the whole shake up and fallout and all that <laughs>
2: I'm going to start by saying there is more than two sides or three names sides to some every names. Story. Come on. There are. There are. Yes. So I I don't feel like I have much of a voice. I anytime there is change it's hard. And anytime people are hurt that's hard. And it's very hard to go through change without people getting upset.
1: True.
2: So um you know I have worked with uh, many of us have the key people there. So I don't I don't know all the stories. So um, I hope the best for them. I think that Cinema St. Louis as a whole, no matter who's leading it, um, offers a lot of value. Um, I hope it doesn't affect the local community. Other, I mean, if it spurs on more growth, fantastic. I'm all for growth. I'm all for more festivals. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't. I I wouldn't chime in on individual people. Oh like no no, that. I'm not talking but, about individual yeah, people. But I, I mean, hope, I I I did talk to one person said something recently. Like I don't know if I'm going to submit. I was like. If you knew the ins and outs of every festival, then you may not feel that way about all of them just no. because it's in your hometown doesn't mean you can't be supportive still. So I think at the end of the day, whether we think it's a good choice or a bad choice, it's still important, and I will still be supporting.
1: But yeah. do you think there's going to be any do you think there's going to be any sort of I don't know
2: taking sides?
1: Not taking sides exactly, but but things splintering into no
2: I think I think it already started doing that, not necessarily because of ill will or anything. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a sign of growth. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: I mean, again, for the people involved, uh, I, I don't wish anyone to lose their job. I wish I don't wish anyone to be you alright? you to right? make it?
2: I'm it's okay to gonna... <laughs> <gonna> make it <laughs> so take a moment, stories about okay. so cough
0: buttons next
1: time. I'll, Excuse uh, me. I'll tell Give Chris Clark your condolences. I'll, I'll be cutting this out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, take, oh, all right. I'm <laughs> <damn>, good. <clears throat> For the people involved, obviously, I don't want to see anyone lose their job. I don't mm-hmm. want to see anyone upset or unhappy. But and again, I don't I don't know if the new org. I don't know the new leadership very well, so I, I'm not sure what their view on independent film is at all. If they're film people or not, but I, I do think that change can lead to growth and mm-hmm. growth is a good thing
0: yeah i think it spurs something else that comes out of it always does mm-hmm. and the proofs in the pudding whether the festival is what people want it to be so i mean we were even talking about possibly sticking something in there right maybe possibly. why not a uh, little teaser for everybody
1: <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, films and feature films uh what about uh, shakespeare's mummy what can you tell us about that
2: um, I'm waiting for it to be released, so I don't know. I have no idea when that's gonna happen. It was fun to do. It was a lot of fun. Again, because it was a very, very different character. You don't get to play the goddess Isis and call people out of hell very often. That's very true. Um and you don't get to wear the what I wore. It wasn't very comfortable, but um <laughs> it was fun to do. It was really fun to do. But yeah, I don't I don't know when it's I think I, think I know when it
0: is. Isn't it? I saw it was in a festival that we're in.
1: It is. It's it they is. always late movies and TV. Oh, and
2: okay. I meant like. Oh, an actual release. Yeah, an actual oh, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: So, so it's out there, but it's not out there. Some festivals, it's yeah. Festivals that kind of stuff. I, I don't know premiere, how many festivals.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, festivals yeah. are not uh, films in release. You can go to tons of festivals and still not end up with any kind of deal. Right. And so. and that's what you
0: meant from yeah. that from that kind of side point. Yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot here, Jessica. I don't know what time it is, but I don't know if we have to wrap or if we got two hours. I don't know. This. we got anything else? So i got tons of stuff. All right. Throw write. some more out there. <laughs> I was just going to do fun fact with
3: Jessica. You're the, you're, you're the MC, man. Have at it. No, I'm
2: not the MC. <laughs> Tonight you are. No. Yeah. That's okay. And that's okay. Yeah,
3: yeah he, he brings all the, all the good stuff. We I just kind of chime in just every in now and then. Just in case it dies, I have to be ready for something.
2: <laughs> that's good pre-pro. <laughs> that's good right. job.
0: I right. No, we've covered. I think we've covered a lot. Is there anything else you want to kind of add to this? Is there anything you're promoting you want to say? You know, just kind of leave us with some thoughts. If not, you
2: well, know. Well, I'm curious
3: what's going on next, to be honest. What yeah, do you got going great. on next?
2: Um, yeah.
3: Because I, I see quite often uh, in social media, you're posting, just wrapped up a commercial here. Just wrapped up a commercial here. Or, or your photojournalism stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh <laughs> you seem
1: like you're always on the road. Yeah,
2: I it depends on the it depends on the week. The next two weeks I'm on the road a lot.
1: I do have a question. Yes. So obviously you're very accomplished and you are working all the time. Mm-hmm. Why do you stay in this area?
2: Multiple reasons. One, the personal side, my kids I I wouldn't uproot them for that. One's a grown man and the other one's in high school now. So, you know, that was a personal choice. And I always feel like I can go wherever the work is. I can leave for a week. I can leave for three months. I can leave for 30 minutes. My family's supportive. So I realize the limitations that puts on me as an actor when I'm not in a larger market. Um, I do think even though COVID was awful, it did bring some benefit to actors as far as the ability to self tape and be Mm -hmm. viable anywhere. Um, and also on the con, I have so much more competition now because anyone can take from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so I also am a cheerleader for our city here. I believe we have talent. I want, um, my intent is not to leave. If I get opportunities, I will go where the opportunities go. Sure. Do I want representation in other markets? Yes, I wanted to keep adding to it. I have them in like six different states or eight different states. So I want the opportunities. So that's why I keep doing it. So I'll just travel wherever it is. It is a nice home base also for international travel because I'm in the middle of the states. I like our mentality here. It is different. Um, But I don't know what the future holds. We'll see. Like when the youngest is out of of high school, there's been talk of me moving to a bigger market. Um, But my film and TV agent, she said it last year and she said it last week to me. She's like, Jessica, you don't need to move. I'm submitting you everywhere across the world. Mm-hmm. So like last, I just submitted for a TV show in Atlanta and did a fant- one of the best classes I've ever taken, a four-hour intense class with a huge studio there. So if I can be submitted anywhere and I can be, it doesn't matter, there are those opportunities that you, you just aren't going to get. True. Um, and I understand that. And I want to keep growing and get bigger opportunities. So we'll see. You know, I, I appreciate the guest star and co-star opportunities. But, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in our city. I like the Midwest. At first it was personal, but let will see what the future holds.
1: Well, good. Because I, I meet so many people, filmmakers, actors, that dump on St. Louis. Mm. They just say, what a terrible mm. city this is and nothing ever happens here mm-hmm. and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I, I get really tired of that. Mm-hmm. Well, make something happen, you know. Well, that's, that that's that's, that's exactly it. Like, like I mean, yeah. wherever you are, that's where something can happen. And and I know so many people. I know a lot of people have gone to L.A., went out there, they got in line behind ten thousand other people, and then they came back here mm-hmm. because you know. And I've said you, know, you can be a big fish in a small pond, or you can be a small fish in a big pond, or whatever. But I I think the way the world is set up now is with you know, few exceptions, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do in entertainment and still live wherever you want to live. And I'm a big champion of the city of St. Louis. I really mm-hmm. am. And the state of Missouri. Yeah, I've <laughs> met
2: with three filmmakers last month for different reasons. I wanted resources or advice or guidance or whatever. And all three of them, I had to kind of change their perspective on actors here. Mm-hmm. And like, well, we're going to go to L.A. And I was like, well, don't forget, there is talent here. There's There's a lot so... of talent here. Yeah. Um, L.A. But doesn't even, make you a better actor, does it? I mean. No, but even I will tell you the the casting director in Atlanta is working in tangent with the casting office in LA for this big ABC mm. show. So even they, some of their big mm. big roles are even going to LA, and they know that. Well, sure. So, I mean, that's
1: where Hollywood is. Of course, that's what yeah. people's their natural Studios. inclination is.
2: Well. And to to their benefit, they feel like in larger markets there are career actors because they can make a living doing it off of it. We can't make a living here in St. Louis doing it. That's no. why I have lots of agents. So I can do more opportunities. So in their mind it's like, well, if you don't do it for a living, then you're not as talented. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay, let me just <laughs> let me just take a step back. Don't forget us as here. So it is a mindset and it does get old, but I'm not I'm very again, I'm very stubborn. So we're just gonna keep pushing <laughs> and we're gonna keep saying, We're here, we're here, we're here. What movie is that? Horton Hears a Who? Do you remember? The i elf, have
0: kids I the have elephant
2: and the little the little <laughs> the the line. yeah he's yeah, on the line. And they're like yelling yelling like we're here we're here that's what i feel like we're doing in st louis we we're, trying. Well, we're it's trying things like
0: this what you're doing getting it out there talking about continuity and this mm-hmm. and the in the the tax credit right mm-hmm. it takes a larger voice than one voice right yeah. all of us collectively screaming the same thing helps that tremendously yeah. and i thought you did something on <clears throat> you said you've done it for a couple years when we were talking before we got on here but the way you posted your year in review, mm-hmm. if we want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but not the fact to boast, because you're very um, well-written, right? You're very modest, yeah, but you're well-written the way you Thank posted. Is um, is let's highlight, and I wrote it down here, like let's <laughs> highlight um, like what you didn't get, mm-hmm. right? That's kind mm-hmm. of like the reality of it mm-hmm. is, let's, so you just threw it out there. I don't know how many years you've been doing that, mm-hmm. I thought it was impactful, at least from reading it. Going, well, here it is. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get everything. Yeah, she can a little face. You know, people. Mm-hmm. Here's the perception, and here's the reality, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. how long have you been doing that? And
2: I don't know. How, it's been several years, at least. I started doing that because I, I, I'm seem to be constantly sent. I meet with a lot of people who want to act, or they're in acting, and they want to grow. And so, I. <laughs> I have, someone, um, I have a call with someone scheduled with someone in LA that wants to know how St. Louis is doing. I have that call on Thursday. I met with someone for lunch last week. So I'm constantly meeting with people. And I feel like it's important to, to use your knowledge and experience to invest in others. Um, and so because I had been meeting with so many people for years, I was like, I need to give them a, uh, multiple reasons. One was I need to give them a real glimpse of what it takes to make a living or to get gigs. Because if you are not in this industry, you only see the sexy side of it. Mm -hmm. It is cool Mm -hmm. to see your face on a magazine or on screen. Yeah, it's really cool. But you don't know how much (laughs) work that took to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And if you do it for a passion, it's not for the notoriety. It's not for the exposure. It's because you love what you're doing. And so I was doing it for that. Also, um, I teach a business of acting workshop. And I also do mentoring for an acting school in L.A. Their students reach a certain point point in their curriculum and then they do a one-hour session with me and i go over the business side of things Mm -hmm. and so um, i have a database of every single thing i submit for whether it's headshot self-tape digitals i keep track of all of the details like when's the audition due what's the usage how much is the pay what it like i write out everything so that i can give them a view of like listen this is what it this is if you like what I'm doing, let me tell you how much, how many I actually mm-hmm. didn't get. Um, not to put a negative spin on it, but to put a reality spin on it. Mm-hmm. Because, um, and it also helps me go, celebrate, you, you kicked butt, you worked, uh, it felt like good. But sometimes you can also dwell on what you didn't get, because those numbers are huh? substantially <laughs> higher. And so I do it for that. And then also because I cast, and I don't do it for a living, I do a handful of projects a year. I have clients often say, well, how much should we pay actors and how much? And I'm like, I can go back and go, well, the voiceover and and as non-union, it's all over the board, Mm -hmm. granted. So I always give a whole talk about it, but um, I at least have a database to go, okay, well, here's some examples if they ever needed it. Um, So it provides a variety of options, but I've had people over the years, like you said, reach out to me and go, thank you so much for writing that. Mm -hmm. It just opened my eyes to what it might take. To even do it, get some jobs. I think the number was like 292 auditions, because I just looked it up before we got on. 292 auditions, that's through six agents and submitting myself for things, because I do that all the time as well. And then I booked 24 maybe, or 26, so not even 10%, a little under 10%. And 22 different ones I got callbacks or was a runner-up. And three gigs I had to turn down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That's a buttload of work. You so. started
0: this whole thing by saying <laughs> you got to get the no's to get the yeses, yes. right? Did you get enough no's in business? We talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you ask enough? Did you submit enough? Did you do enough? Mm-hmm. Did you put yourself out there enough to get the no's in order to get the yeses? Mm-hmm. And if you're saying 10%, that might be really good in the industry. I don't know what the industry average is. That's averages. pretty good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But based on, yeah. Yeah, exact, yeah. based on if you're doing 1,000 or, you know. 10. <laughs> sure. I just thought that was interesting. So thank, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. So.
1: Well, sure. it's another important concept that a lot of people ought to get behind is you have to acknowledge and accept and admit the level of rejection and the level of, let's just say, suck that comes with <laughs> this. And I think the people who try to hide that, mm-hmm. they, they really come off as false. Because there's a lot of no's, and there's a lot of negativity, and that's just part and parcel. It's, it's like, we have a lot of stuff out there. We've, we've made a lot of feature films. We have a lot of stuff available here, there, and everywhere. And we've been rejected to many, many film festivals. And I always tell people, read the comments, but don't reply to them. And, and don't take any of it personally. Mm. Or if you do reply to anything, always reply with my standard reply, which is thank you for your support. Mm-hmm. Whatever they said, <laughs> Good, bad, doesn't matter. Thank you for your support. <laughs> you just have to acknowledge
2: that. In our creative field, there's always going to be people who like it and people who don't. Yes. So when you put your stuff out there, you're, you are being very vulnerable no matter what role you're in. Um, as actors, we are... I don't want to say extra vulnerable, but I mean like every part of our body is criticized, our voice, our performance. At least behind the camera, I feel like I can hide a little bit more. But it's still, at the end of the day, it's still your work, still your baby, still your investment that people have opinions on. So it is a, you have to have some thick skin yeah. to keep pushing yeah. every,
3: along. Every week somebody asks me, hey, you making a Hollywood yet? I'm like, uh.
2: <laughs> thanks for the reminder well, my number hasn't changed
3: I'm <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you know somebody?
3: <laughs> well that's not really my my goal to live out in mm-hmm. Hollywood and mm-hmm. be a big star anymore maybe when I was 20 or in my late teens that's what you thought you wanted to do but it's so different now it's not even you can't control anything it's just a different business the indie world that we live in right now uh, it's kind of where I want to be for a while you can control more mm-hmm.
0: It's definitely mm-hmm. fun. Speaking of being vulnerable, to wrap up here, yes, I saw some fun facts on your JessicaAmbule.com for anybody that wants to go out That's a Jessica. pretty damn good website, too, it's by the way. Website. You did a good job with that. So you put some fun, fun facts out there. Yes. Right? So you still laugh in your sleep.
2: I've been told that, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Like. I don't know if I still do it.
0: Does anybody tape you? No. Oh, yeah. Okay. What I don't kind know. How freak are you? This that's, guy, that's not
2: a freak. This is other <laughs> thing. This got really weird. This really is thing. Well, wait till you get this
0: one. Your tongue is long enough to touch the middle of your nose.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's
0: a good one. Yeah. And you graduated early from high school, I one year did, early. So what yeah. high school did you go to? Because that's the same
2: Louis thing. Oh, uh, yeah, but it was this tiny private school. So I went to Victory Christian School. And back then, a friend of mine was a year older, and she was able to graduate a year early. And most of my friends growing up have always been older than me. And so I was just anxious to get to college. That sounds weird. I loved education. So I was just, I was ready. So I did four years and three. So I did some online courses in the summer and used my study halls and stuff to do other stuff. It nice. was the right fit for me. They didn't let anyone do it after me. So I ruined it, apparently. Okay. But it was a good fit for me.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> finally, do any of your girlfriends like to go to action movies anymore? So you said that you were, and when you were growing up, you were the one going to Saving Private uh, Ryan. Oh, yeah. That's pulling out some stuff that... No, that's
2: great. I love it. No, I'm trying to think of who, like, who would...
0: Still going on your husband or about.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the guys would, but as far as, like, women, I don't know many of them that love... Like, I love Die Hard, and I loved Schindler's List and Private Saving Private Ryan, and I was the only female in the audience, and that's okay. I was okay with that. Hmm.
1: That's all I got, gentlemen. Sorry. No, well, I dropped out of high school, so I don't... I don't have an answer for any of that. You
2: finish Shirley too.
0: I
1: did
2: finish <laughs> yeah, We have that in common. We, we do. Look at that.
0: That's positive spin <laughs> on anyway. that. You know what else is positive? That we're all sitting in the basement together.
1: <laughs> There's that. And uh, when we talk about the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking on the Indie Film Sucks podcast, brought to you by Eighty Eight Millimeter Productions. Tell c- a friend. Tell a friend. That's right. It's out on whatever places that these places, these (laughs) things are at. Thank you so much, thank you
0: you so much, yes, and you for opening up. What do
1: you got, Brock? Thank
3: you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think Chris covered everything. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Good night. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the indie film sucks.